I hope everyone can hear me well. Tell me if I need to speak louder. Um, since my mother tongue is French, I have some accent that you can recognize, I guess. Um, but sometimes my English is uh, somewhat approximate. And um, if you don't understand something, just wave like that with your hand and, and uh, I'll understand that there's something that hasn't been understood very well. I, I'll do my best anyway and see what, happen, what happens <laughs> with my presentation. I have um, a PowerPoint presentation, which is uh, not very long, but uh, quite visual that will help to uh, um, maybe better understand um, what I'm talking about tonight. So you won't be, you won't see my face for a while, and and then uh, when I'll be finished, there will be um, plenty of time for questions and interactions between you and me. Can you see it? Is we, that fine? We can. I see it, and it's uh, large on the screen, so it looks good. Okay, good. I'm assuming uh, everyone else can see it as well. If not, wave at us and we'll see. Yeah. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I call my presentation The Metaphor of the Sun and the Moon. Um, it's a sort of explanation that I give very often to my patients and to my, to my students. And um, they often told me that it helps them very much to understand the difference um, between um, matters that pertain to the ego and others that pertain to the self. How to make the difference between the two in our lives is not always that easy. One, once we are self-realized, it seems that that kind of question doesn't take place anymore. But until then, sometimes it's not very clear. And, and the, the question that, that, that's often asked is, how do I know if my decisions and deeds are led by my condition conditionings or by the self. Do we have criteria for that? Do we have something that kind of a compass that can show us if we're driven uh, to the self or led by the self or by something else? It seems important on, this, on the spiritual path that we make the difference between the two realities um, since our minds, until we are not self-realized, are very often a mix of uh, conditionings, that is, states of mind that are not stable, that are changing, impermanent, we say, and others that show us that there's a deeper reality inside. So my purpose here is to give you some insights uh, about how to make that, that difference between the two and how to make sure that we are sticking to, um, to the compass of the self. Um, I said pre previously that um, my talk is about um, a topic that is contained in the, in the Gita. And on the fifth chapter of the Gita, Verses 15 and 16, um, 
there are the, the core thoughts for my talk tonight. On, on verse 15, um, it said, All pervading supreme consciousness is not influenced by righteous or unrighteous deeds of people. Unenlightened people are bewildered because their innate knowledge is obscured by delusions. And this is the, the moon side, uh, obscured by delusions. In my metaphor, that's the moon side. The explanation that's given by uh, Roy Davis um, in the eternal way is that the omnipresent field of pure consciousness remains ever what it is, the field of awareness of the ordinary person is fragmented and confused because delusions and illusions suppress and veil self-knowledge. One who hopes to accomplish spiritual growth while clinging to conditioned, self-conscious attitudes and behaviors aspires in vain, for these are the very circumstances that restrict soul awareness. So those conditionings are restrictions about soul awareness. Then verse 16, For those in whom ignorance of the true self is banished by knowledge, their enlightenment allows the supreme self to shine like the sun. So this is the sun metaphor, or the sun in the metaphor I'm going to expose. And the explanation that's given by Roe Davis is when one's field of awareness is cleared of all obstructing conditions and self-knowledge is actualized, the full reality of God is spontaneously revealed. So, I will take this in a very visual uh, manner. So, you see here the red dot. Imagine that this red dot is you, but you right before birth, right before your birth. And there you have a feeling, uh, a sense of being, just a sense of being, a sort of intuition. I exist. I am. I am as I am. That's all. Nothing else. That's pure awareness, pure consciousness. Now, when you come into this world, you actually, as a newborn, are the result of a father and a mother. And what do they do? What do they do when when you were when you are born? Actually, they give you a name. And funny enough. Uh, I used to say this, this is the beginning of alienation. You know, alien in Latin means other. You start to be other than I am. You are this, you are that. You're given a name and a surname, and the surname means also you belong to us. And so through words and interactions, with you as a newborn and um, 
the adult world, you receive a lot of words where everyone will say something about you, that you are this and you are that. They will use hundreds of times, thousands of times, from your birth on, to qualify you, to give, to give you uh, some hints about your bodily appearance, to give you um, judgments about, about your personality or psychological traits. They will say something about your performance, physical performance, intellectual performance. And all this, step by step, will be used to define you. The thing is that when you will reach four years, when you, you will be four years old, you will start to think that all these things that were told about you um, not only were true, but they, they are you. Until then, until four, approximately, can change a little bit from one person to another, um, but usually un until three and a half, maybe four, the person who, uh, the person uh, looks herself or himself into the mirror and say, oh, that's him, that's her. The kid doesn't say, that's me. What does it mean? It means that it takes a lot of time and energy to become identified with all the conditions that were put onto ourselves. Our pure consciousness, the red dot, had to put much attention, much energy to involve uh, himself or herself into this world and become identified with that logic. It's like those conditions are, are like my, micros, um, micro software that's installed on, on our operating system, our mind. Manas. And so, when we are four, we think that we are those uh, microsoftware. We lose of sight that we were just that I am, that self. And so we, we acquire the structure of ego around that age. Consciousness becomes identified to its conditions. It means that we automatically, as a person, we log into the I, the sense of I, me and mine. This is a natural process that all of the living beings on this planet go through. It's very natural. Um, also, and maybe an explanation could be that it's because um, in, in order to, uh, to last, all, all of the beings have to go through the law of repetition and reaction. All this is meant to, um, for, well, for the human community, is to, to uh, reproduce, to repeat itself, 
through time, through decades and through centuries. And so we are kind of imposed those manners, habits, mental habits, um, behavioral habits, um, so that we will make our community last longer, as long as possible. Around 15, the person starts to, uh, to ask questions about um, its own identity, the acquired identity. And um, it starts to say things like, what, am, I, am I really like my father and my mother? Ah. Usually, this is the time um, where the youngster uh, puts his parents into crisis because they realize that the, the person uh, could become different than what they thought before or, or until then. And this, this time of, of the life cycle, this moment, this stage of the life cycle is called differentiation. The youngster um, will, will say something like, oh, this kind of thing from, from dad, I'm going to keep. And the, the rest I put aside. And the same for mom. And the same for, from other people. And we will start, we'll start to uh, like some other traits from other people outside of the family of origin. And so um, the youngster starts to to, to choose his own conditionings. And he will change somewhat his identity to something he thinks he is corresponding to better than what he has received until then. Now, not every person um, goes through the stage of differentiation at 15. Sometimes it's, it's later. But it's a very important stage because it's, it's a psychological stage where the person um, asks questions about his or her identity. And if we are not ready to do that kind of work, then spiritual growth isn't, uh, isn't possible. It, that's the first step. Because if we don't ask something about our identity um, from the psychological perspective of, uh, like I explained uh, right now, then it, be it becomes almost impossible to say, oh, but this kind of identity, I don't need it anymore, which is something that will come later on the spiritual path. I'm going to explain that too. So the youngster puts the acquired conditions into perspective. He's going to choose new ones and he, he will be a grown up later. And as, as an adult, well, that's next stage, adulthood, very often what we see is that those conditionings have become bigger and thicker. You see the, the red, red dot, has become smaller to the point that the person thinks I am this and that only. That's over identification 
uh, on the uh, conditionings. So this is what the Gita says, that consciousness of the self is veiled by conditionings. The person thinks uh, that he or she is the conditioning themselves. Most of the human beings uh, live and die with that kind of thinking. And this is what I see in my, in my uh, psychological practice too. People are so attached to what they think they are, they don't question um, their sense, um, the definition of, of who they are. This is avidya, ignorance. Avidya, maybe you studied already uh, in Sanskrit. A, it's without, vidya is knowledge. Without knowledge, ignorance. And it's ignorance of our true nature. Ego has some very well-known characteristics. Ego compares, accumulates, competes, conflicts, controls, covets, contrives, wears masks, you know, nothing true actually. Ego has no identity per se. Ego is, is programming, is conditionings, and it's full of fears. Fears of loss, fears of lack. And it's made of conditionings, basically. And uh, that, that means that ego is uh, triggered every time that there's some um, attention, that means energy, on the conditionings. And it goes by itself. Nothing else to do. Fortunately, there's an instance inside of us that can see the ego function because the ego is outside of the soul. It's outside of the self. It's around the self. It's veiling it. So, who can see the ego? Only the self can see it. And this is what you see on this slide. At different moments or stages in, in, in the life cycle, um, the person can, can go deeper in, in, into the questioning of who I am. Not only who I want to be in terms of uh, personality traits, but is there something stable within me? Is there something lasting within me? It means that the soul at some point wants to reconquer the throne, like the story of the Gita. Mm -hmm. It means that there's some awakening uh, within the person through maturation and life's challenges also very often people start to question themselves. 
when they they meet they're meeting tough life's challenges but we can also uh, observe that some people um, reach a spiritual growth in in a more smooth manner in their life it's not necessary that we we have tough experiences to uh, to wake up So there's something within us that says, oh, my body is impermanent, doesn't last. There's that awareness that one day we will die. One day I might be sick. And um, we see that we are changing through time. So where is the unchanging within us? And every human being at some point will will de- develop that idea. The Hindus would, would say that if not in this lifetime, maybe in another lifetime. But the, the, the soul in its growth um, makes so that there's that, the desire to uh, for a long-lasting happiness something that is not impermanent, something that will cross the ages. And that, that's, that's the start for a quest, for the spiritual quest. And that's, that stage of um, maturation is called individuation. This term of individuation uh, was used uh, first in history um, of, of psychology by uh, the psychiatrist, Swiss psychiatrist Jung. Jung was very much influenced by the Oriental thought, and he knew very well about um, Indian metaphysics. And he was convinced that there was something deeper than the ego, and he would use the term of self already. He Actually, he took the notion, the concept of self, to, to the West, to, to the Eastern Easterners, and um, the the individuation uh, as a process is to become the self, to reach that understanding that there's something at the core of my being that is my essence, that is my real nature. Nietzsche said, become who you are. And becoming who we are is becoming the self, nothing else. So that means that we are deconditioning ourselves. We are step by step leaving the the conditionings that are not very useful to us. We have lots of them. We have lots lot of conditionings about who we think we are, about what we think the, the world is, of our identity, and about the reality of the world. And there are, in this sense, many beliefs that we develop from uh, our childhood. And some of, the, of those beliefs are beliefs about um, 
human beings themselves, how the, uh, the relationships work. Um, when we, we reach the stage of individuation, which, which, been, which has been possible uh, first through um, when, when going through the stage of differentiation, um, at the stage of individuation, there's a natural emergence of noble feelings. And this is a very important uh, element in, in our inner compass on the spiritual path. Those noble feelings are feelings that we already know. Um, love, compassion, gratitude, forgiveness, joy, peace, beauty. The important thing about, thing about that is that they are not acquired traits. They are not traits like uh, the traits of the ego. Those noble feelings are part of our true nature. We don't need to produce them. They are not virtues, meaning that it is not necessary that we, we learn to behave properly, to love or be compassionate or be grateful. Those, those feelings will, will emerge naturally at some point in our, in our spiritual growth. Sometimes there's a confusion between virtues as values in the spiritual or religious context. Because we observe that spiritual, spiritual people manifest love, compassion, gratitude, etc. But actually, those are natural feelings that, that don't have to be learned. When, when we, reach, we reach that stage, um, the law is not the one of repetition and reaction like uh, for the ego. Uh, here we, we face the law or we follow the law of creation and freedom. Emancipation. Um, all the spiritual paths uh, are described as paths of liberation. It means that we get rid of all the mind stuff that we call conditionings. And when we can, we can get rid of that, then step by step we reach self-awareness and self-realization. And, and self-realization, in that sense, is full awareness of, uh, of our true nature. I am that. I am not the ego. I am that. While incarnated, we can be self-aware, fully self-aware. And that means that some conditionings will stay, 
but only those functional conditionings that we, we need for our everyday living, everyday life, I mean. Only functional conditions, not, not illusions, not delusions, not useless attachments or desires. Just what can, what can help us live every day in, in a harmonious, uh, functional way. From, my, from what I observed, Roy Davis was like that. He was in that reality. He was radiating the truth of the self. And there were no conditionings that were stuck on him. He got rid of everything. And uh, he would spread harmony around him. So, we know that in our lives very often we swing between something which is our conditionings and something deeper that we call the self. We're not stable. And it takes time to uh, stabilize ourselves in the reality of the self. We shouldn't be discouraged if sometimes we, know, we notice that some conditionings have taken over. We, we shouldn't underestimate conditions. Um, they are very powerful. From the point of the self, conditionings are not powerful at all. But while we're still under the illusion that we are our ego, we have the sense that we have ego, then conditionings can, can take, or I, I use the word stuck. We have the feeling that those conditionings are, are stuck on us. And getting, re, getting rid of them um, is, is some work. Actually, it's not, it's not work to become self-realized. The, the work is only about um, suppression of useless, delusive, dysfunctional conditionings. And the other is um, that while doing so, we nurture the awareness of our real nature. I am the self, which is actually exactly uh, the meaning of the mantra, home soul. I am. I am that. So we have to nourish, nurture that, that, that thinking so that at some point we, we feel that we, we have the deep intuition. Oh, I am that. I am that. Then the, the conditionings will loosen themselves. And step by step, will neutralize them. Sometimes we need the help of someone to uh, get rid of dysfunctional conditionings. This is when I see people in my practice. But 
when we are on the spiritual path, it's not enough. It's not enough just to go to a psychologist and say, okay, I have abandoned a few conditionings. Now I'm self-realized. No, that doesn't work so. We have to dive deep into our real nature. We have to merge in, in our real nature. And Yogananda would say the path is threefold. There's the, the path of sound merging with the home sound. There's the path of light merging with the spiritual light. And there's, there's the path of bhakti, the heart, merging with love. This is a threefold path. This is how we nurture the awareness awareness of our real nature. But before that, we can use noble feelings. Noble feelings are very powerful. When we intentionally practice love, compassion, gratitude, or joy even, then we can see that we, we, we help ourselves even at the, at the level of the nervous system to cool down, to reach calmness. And also, at that moment, to become more detached from conditions that are somewhat difficult to handle. Okay. I'm finished with my presentation. I just wanted to um, um, to, re to, to, to read a, a, a phrase. Um, you are not a person experiencing emptiness, emptiness of ego. You are the emptiness in which the dream of the person appears. All the while, the immensity of the self is here. And that's from a person, a spiritual master, maybe you know, who, whose name is Muji. Okay, good. I'm finished. I'm open for the questions. Hi, Luca Bolton speaking. Not really a question. Just thank you so much for your very wonderful meditation and also uh, for this uh, very interesting new way for me of presenting this uh, way where we go. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Have a great time. Thanks to you for your presence. Thank you. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you. <laughs> it's been a long time. Yes. <laughs> Luca, could I answer, uh, ask a question? First of all, thank you very much again. It's been very helpful. Uh, my question is, within the context of your presentation, could you relate this to physical healing? Uh, not curing, but healing. I know classical psychology says there's a connection between the body and the mind, but mm -hmm. you're speaking a much broader term. What would be the relation between the body and uh, and someone who is trapped in the ego as opposed to someone who has made this movement that you've outlined so well toward the self would that can could we expect you would think you could expect healing we have the examples in our spiritual history of individuals like the christ who uh, healed or or people around him speak of healing but we find that in all the traditions Do, could you speak a little bit about this connection to physical healing Thank you. Thank you for your question. Wow, that, that's a big question. Huh? 
Um, well, you mentioned Christ, and I always heard that when he he would cure or heal someone on the physical level, actually he was doing much more than that. He was healing the person very deeply at the soul level. It means that when when we are sick on the physical level, actually that sickness can um, attach us our attach our uh, soul awareness very strongly to the body, and um, that kind of uh, we, we 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 can approach um, sickness as as an um, um, an unbalanced condition and so unbalanced that our consciousness is entrapped in the body and healing is um, in a way or another um, bring back balance again so that we can become more detached from the body you have noticed when you suffer meaning that I, I mean when you when you have some pain in your body, how, how that pain can um, um, have you, uh, can give you the feeling that you're, you're so stuck within, with, with your body that you lose the, the, the sense of the soul. Mm-hmm. So I'm not develop, developing here um, all, all of the possible connections between uh, uh, between spirit and body that would be uh, an, another um, uh, uh, this is another topic I think it's not it doesn't belong to my presentation of tonight but the challenge here is identification with the body when we are sick our identification to the body is stronger unless we can go so deep into the reality of the self that we can be detached even while sick. Otherwise, it's very important that we keep a very balanced life so that we are not overwhelmed by by pain, for example, or uh, erratic states that, you know, changing changing, uh, physical conditions that impact emotions. This is what I observe in my practice, actually. Very often people, uh, because of an unbalanced physical um, uh, hormones, for example, have uh, very um, fluctuating moods. And they become so identified with uh, their moods and and their body that they, they can grasp even the idea that they are not the 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 mind stuff and the body. If you want to help someone to um, overcome uh, all this, we we have to find first a balance, then neutralize the negative effects of changing uh, conditions at different levels, and then we can start to neutralize conditions. So it's 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 a long process. It's not easy. Did I ask? Did, did I answer your question in some way? 
Yes, you did. Thank okay. you so much. Thank you. Hello, Luca. Yes. This is Linda. I am, uh, would you repeat the person's name of that last quote that you did? Uh, Muji. Muji. It's M-O-O-J-I. Thank you. I really enjoyed this. This really helped me a great deal. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to you. You're welcome. So if there's no more questions, thank you, Luca, for joining us. Uh, very, thank you. You're very helpful. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good evening. Awesome. Good day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Yeah.